Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of A Drink With Mary and Mina. Um, and today I have the classic cup of tea. Um, I have matcha iced latte. Well, it's not iced anymore. It's just lukewarm. Nancy, Nancy. Yeah. Um, anyway, today we have a special guest. She's my dear friend. She's been my friend for years and years. Oh, almost a decade now. Well, more than a decade now. More Woo-hoo. than a decade, yeah. Um, and you can probably see her on screen already. Um, her name's Damesha. And she's got a drink as well. I saw it earlier. Yeah, it's just a very milky coffee. So that's coffee. Lovely. Yeah, it's really that's, milky. I didn't make that it. Looks like <laughs> orange juice. Literally, I thought you were drinking orange, orange juice. No, it's definitely coffee. I oh, hope it's it not orange like juice. Tea-ish, tea-ish to me, not it's, orange juice for sure. It's a hundred percent, a hundred percent milky coffee. I promise. I'm not lying. No nothing involved. mixed in it. Nothing mixed no. in it. No, no, no. I'm because I'm, I'm at my in-laws, so it, you can't start. Like I don't know what the rules are here. Like in the UK, you could probably start drinking and it would be all right. But I don't know if that's the same in Poland. So yeah, <laughs> nothing, nothing too. You know what? I'm to drink as well. No. Or you're in Poland. You're in probably the second nation of vodka or something or oh, no, yeah. i mean they do vodka. i mean vodka is is a is a i wouldn't say it's, of choice. it's what they're known for <laughs> that's what they're they're known for but but yeah i mean i don't think they but i don't think it's um how to say like socially acceptable to drink it at 10 past 11 which is the time over here i mean in the morning not at night at night i think it's a free-for-all but yeah at 10 past 11 in the morning i don't think it's acceptable to drink it <laughs> Uh, it's to be almost fair, midday. midday. Almost I mean, midday. No, do you know what? I was thinking the same thing. It's only fifteen minutes until lunchtime. <laughs> Let's crack open Plus the it's 5 PM off, somewhere. Right? <laughs> they don't drink smell yeah. off here. That's that's not very good vodka here. So, but really, know. yeah, no, no, it's not. It's like like they have like all different types of vodkas, but that I don't think anyone would drink smell off here. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, so um, looking at your story, I've realised this is SMA Awareness Month. Yes, I thought it was absolutely... I hope you guys managed to do all of the editing and stuff and release this before the end of the month, but uh, no pressure. Oh, definitely. <laughs> um, will, but um, yeah, it's SMA Awareness Month. And, you know, like before Sebastian was born and before he was diagnosed, I probably wouldn't have even batted an eyelid about that mm. um mm. obviously it being sma awareness month um and having a child with sma um yeah you the, these things become a bit more you're aware of it because you you're just your eyes are open to it uh, so much more yeah. um yeah when, so it's nice um, last week what last month was disability awareness month or disability yeah pride last month, month um it? it's disability yeah. pride month so um yeah like it's it's quite good that one follows the other really um I think Mm -hmm. they're both again like for force fashion I don't want to say I didn't care because I did sort of 
you know, but I would never have taken it so much to heart like I do now. Um, mm. And the idea that, you know, that we have so much, I, it, like if you're able-bodied and you're not disabled um, and, and you're not affected by it like directly, um, you mm. just kind of, you just ebb and flow with it and you don't think about it too much. But when it actually is a massive part of your life and, you know, I just want yeah. Sebastian to be, I mean, I don't think anyone has a child and then like, you know, to that every every parent that has a child wants their child to be proud and to be and to love themselves and have joy and be happy mm. uh, in their own skin and I mean mm. just because Sebastian is like he, because he is disabled and because he has SMA it doesn't change that you know not an expectation but sort of something I hope for in the future that he is you know happy and you know has pride in everything he is but yeah I mean I think I only found out about SMA through you and when it happened to when uh, Seb was got uh, Seb got diagnosed with it Mm -hmm. and before that I probably didn't even know what it was Um, and what about yeah it's just a super rare disease, right? So mm. when so, so uh, uh, just for your listeners, like uh, uh, SMA is spinal muscular atrophy. So essentially, what it mm. is is um, uh, people are, can be born without um, a part of their genetic code, and it's called the SMN one, which is a bit confusing because of SMA and SMN. But SMN is survival motor neuron. We have survival motor neuron one in our DNA and we also have something called survival motor neuron 2 and these Mm. two SMNs are responsible for for producing a protein that sends a signal from your brain to your muscles so it it is essentially like um, a conduit for those signals to go and if you're Mm. lacking that protein or you're born without that protein your muscles don't get those signals and then they don't move so they begin to atrophy. And the reason why it's called spinal, spinal muscular atrophy is because um, it's in your spinal cord. It's all in your nervous system. So in your, in your, in your spine, spinal cord, you have uh, motor neurons, which are the head of your nervous system. Yeah. And over time, without that protein, the motor neurons die. So then all your nerves die. And then the muscles atrophy. And then you get, a, you know, we think about muscles in terms of, you know, movement so walking or lifting or you know you think of muscles in those terms but your heart's a muscle your lungs are muscle you know your digestive system Mm. is is a whole load of muscles together so essentially over time Mm. without treatment somebody with especially Sebastian's condition SMA uh, type 1 will eventually you know without treatment die because those muscles that do all of those essential tasks, you know, they atrophy, yeah. they wither away. Um, so there are like, well, there are five types. I don't know too much about type zero, but I think that that, that um, affects children like even before Sebastian was impacted. But Sebastian's got type one, which is considered to be the most fatal. Um, and their life expectancy is two years. Mm. And... Um, you know like it it becomes they become symptomatic before six months like Sebastian in hindsight we realized he was symptomatic about four months 
Um, and he okay. never showed signs that he was going to be able to sit or, you know, he didn't have like the best, like, uh, I, I don't know how to say, like he had some head control, he had some trunk control and, you know, that's quite good for type one. Um, we managed to get him diagnosed mm. super quickly, um, which was amazing. But, you know, that, you know, sometimes children have to be very, very poorly before they get diagnosed especially with never yeah. so far you know touch wood we've kept him you know he's not had any like respiratory illnesses and if you can imagine if you're having sma and then your lungs uh, you know you get a cold or a cough it's very hard to cough because that's a lot of muscle oh, strength yeah. from your diaphragm you need you need that you know ability to kind yeah. of hack up whatever is in your lungs yeah. and stuff uh, some children aren't able to do that so then you know respiratory a simple cough can turn into pneumonia and that's how children deteriorate mm. and how they get diagnosed sometimes and then you've got type 2 all the way to type 4 and essentially what that is is that everyone is missing the smn type 1 which is responsible for producing 90 percent of that protein but they mm. might have more copies of smn2 and SMN2 um, mm. produces anything from like, I think they say on average 10 to 15% of that protein. So the more copies you have, the more protein you have. And then that delays the um, symptoms. So if you've got like type four, oh, you probably yeah. live into old age and then you might not even get diagnosed <clears throat> because you're, you know, it might just feel like... That you had that many copies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it just like you, you, you might just attribute your muscle weakness to old age essentially but i think i feel i think that 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 i is you know it doesn't change your life expectancy either so type three and type four isn't considered fatal but type one and type two without treatment are considered fatal but i mean in the uk now all people who have sma um are eligible for treatment i think because they released in the same year they released the gene therapy which was last year right it was diagnosed last year. Yeah, last year. I God, I feel like it was so, years yeah. ago. Yeah. Uh, last year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know. It's, just, it's like a part of my memory, but it's just like it, we've been on such a journey. It feels like it's a lot longer. Dumbled up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, gene therapies, Olgenzima, was approved by the NHS last year in May. Um, and Sebastian received that in June. And then Rizdaplan is like an oral medication that um, is, I think it's, I don't know if it's still being trialed or if it's actually available, but that's been given to quite a lot of people who suffer with SMA type 2, 3 um, and type 1 if they can't get the gene therapy. And I think that they're, they're rolling that out, which is fantastic because there are still some countries where you can't get treatment if you have, if you're an adult with SMA. So um yeah, yeah it's a bit bit of an exciting time to have yeah. this disease actually yeah weird yeah. thing to say isn't it exciting bit of an exciting time to have sma <laughs> sma trending yeah we're we're trying to raise awareness don't be sure yeah, i know it, it's, a, it's like but then, weird yeah. yeah it's weird that sebastian you know me and cuba talked about having a family a lot um and I kept on putting it off I kept on putting it off because I wanted to focus on my job I wanted to focus on you know becoming more financially secure like you know these grown-up things that you have to talk about and then it just so happened we decided <laughs> to have a child um like by accident it wasn't a decision really it just sort of happened 
and he just happened to be born with a condition that was treatable like literally a month before he got the treatment you know Mm. I'm not super religious I'm not super Mm -hmm. you know I am a little bit superstitious not not massively but you know when it just like there is nothing more we could have done there is nothing we would ever change everything seemed to work work for Sebastian and I do believe that things turn out the way they're supposed to just because as is life right you can't everything is the way it's supposed to be because that's just the way it is um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. even when I think about, you know, you torture yourself as a parent and you say things to yourself like, what if I'd noticed it sooner? What if I'd done this? You know, you, all of these sort of sort of existential questions where you're just like, oh, why didn't I? Why didn't yeah. I? But actually, every time I go through that, there is literally no other way it could have gone and it go better. If Sebastian was diagnosed sooner, yeah. he would have potentially been on another treatment and then he wouldn't have been eligible for the gene therapy because he technically has a treatment. Mm-hmm. So the NHS wouldn't have been in such a, you know, rush to treat him because, you know, he's he's not he's not, you know, dying. <laughs> you know. You know when you said like as a mother, why didn't I notice sooner and everything? And this is like seems to be the common trend or common mm. thing between all new mothers. It's <laughs> almost like, what could I have done better? You mm. know, and there's apparently when you're a new mother, you discover fears that you never had. Um, but also for the love of your child, you also uncover strengths that you never thought you had, you know. Yeah. And I think all mothers have this fear that you know, I have to be perfect. You know, I have to do everything right. Mm -hmm. And I think, as they say, as a mother, you can never do anything right. (laughs) Because apparently you're very (laughs) (laughs) self-criticizing. I mean, I don't know how true that is, but yeah, it sounds like quite true for you. I think um, there's a lot of truth in that. I think um, you... I think Sebastian's diagnosis and the way we live our lives now, it's sort of like steering me away from that because quite honestly, you can always do, you always feel like you could do more, right? There's always more physio to be done. Mm. There's always, you know, there will be days where we, you know, I'll, we went to a Warsaw and I didn't stretch his back properly. And then he ended up with a slight curve in his back and I was beating myself up about that because literally like, you know, this boy needs so much like maintenance and he can't do it himself so he is reliant on on (laughs) us as parents to do that stuff for him but I think what it also boils down to is that it's just life right and I think his diagnosis and just having going through everything we've been through is like you just can't control everything you know I didn't know I was in like you know Mm. to have a child with SMA you Mm. both parents have to be one in 40 of the carrier so we both carry the faulty gene and um you know Mm. Cuba's from Poland he's from a faraway land you know I'm 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 from the UK we we met each other at work you know (laughs) it was like a very much of a love on a faraway land you know we 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 fell in love and you know we started a family together and it's just very like you know how were we to know but you know you know what I mean right like you know culturally completely different and 
yeah um it just you know just so happened with both carriers of the faulty gene and sebastian was i think i think he had a 25 percent chance of getting sma mm. it's not even it's like i mean they're pretty high odds i mean 25 percent is quite high but he had a 50 percent chance of just being a carrier like me and kiva so it's like, honestly um yeah bonkers and um, just the probability of it yeah and um, so obviously like the person that I know you back then and the person that you are now is like completely yeah. different. Like if I were to tell you what <clears throat> Damisha was like in uni, right? She was like a walking, breathing bag of stress. Like she used to be the <sighs> most studious. She used to be the most prepared. Like she used to go to lectures with like recording devices and she used to record all her lectures like she was that much she was one yeah, of those. yeah she was one of those and then um like probably like 10 days before exam when we haven't even you know figured out what exam next is <laughs> she would be crying thinking she hasn't prepared it when she would all be ready for exam like <laughs> i just want to say i would be ready in comparison to mina right <laughs> no you would be ready in comparison to the whole batch <laughs> don't even go i i reckon so i reckon so because when if mina if mina did is saying you're ready in comparison to her that that's above way beyond my league i cannot even imagine that far ahead and then now like last time we spent a couple of days like together with our you know everybody I was very surprised at how much, how relaxed and laid back she was. Like we had to check out at 10 and it was already 10, 10 and we hadn't even packed up. We hadn't even cleaned the place. And she was just literally in the dining room table. Chill. Just like, yeah, we'll get there. I'm sure. Eating my sausage yeah, sandwich. Eating her sausage sandwich. And she was like, yeah, I'm sure they're not going to charge us extra. I'm sure. I'm sure. Like literally. Everyone's leaving, right? Outside. If you look outside, everybody's packing their cars, leaving. And then we're like, five of us were like frantically grabbing things from the rooms and everything. Yeah, all of you were yeah. so stressed. And then Damsha was like... All of you. It was so weird. It, it was almost like she was in a denial phase. Like she oh, had God. this... <laughs> it's like, this is not happening. I'm in my Zen mood. <laughs> Nobody is disturbing this. That kind of face. She had that kind of face. And I was like... Like, who are you? Like, who are you? <laughs> this, is this something like your child has taught you or did you just yeah, grow I, out to I, be this li- Listen, person? like, I had a child and, I mean, to be honest, don't get me wrong, Mina knows me pretty well. I've got a really kind of, like, dry sense of humour. <laughs> so, and it's not for, for it. everyone. I can tell it, yeah. But yeah. Let, let me just say this, right? So I, I had a child and technically like my child was terminally ill all the way mm. up to about five months, mm. you know. Yeah. That's something to stress about. Stressing out mm-hmm. about getting charged for leave saying too late at Centre Parks <laughs> is genuinely not something I'm gonna worry about anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> like on the scale of things to be stressed about. You know what? You know, if they charged me, I would have lost my shit. I'm not going to lie. I would have gone absolutely ape shit. <laughs> but 
not going to stress about it. Because I'm sorry, you I and have, Cuba have, on top of that, you guys would be eating the receptionist's head if they had charged us. Like, don't even go there. <laughs> so, so if you want to I, give it's your funny because now. It, it's it's not both of us. Like, it, like Cuba still stresses quite a lot. Um, it was funny because on that on that trip that Mina's talking about, Cuba actually said to me, "You're stressing everyone out because you're so calm." He did. <laughs> he did. He literally said that, and we were like, "No, no, 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 we're we're not, we're not." But then our behavior was like our physical behavior was saying something else. Even Diwash, like he was like, but "I, I actually." <laughs> Yeah, I went outside because they were like cleaning stuff, um, getting like ready to drop off towels and stuff. And I just said, you know, what happens if we're late? And then one lady said, yeah, you need to check out on time. And then the other one said, nothing will happen. I was like, oh, fine. I'll listen to the one I wanted to. So I came back <laughs> and I was like, she said, nothing's going to happen. So I'm just going to sit here, eat my sausage sandwich, have my cup of tea. And then, um, yeah, and then I did get up because after Cuba told me I was stressing everyone out, I started getting stressed because I was stressing everyone out. So then I actually did start helping. Um, <laughs> but you know what? At that moment, um, you and Cuba had a little bit of, um, I wouldn't say a fight, but, you know, you had a little bit of a couple's tiff, I guess. Um, yeah. Has that happened quite a lot that, during all this, you know, struggles? No. No, no, no. We we don't we don't. Um, no, not not because of Sebastian. I think one thing that I can say is when you before Sebastian, probably we used to argue a lot more. Not argue, argue, argue isn't argue isn't the word I want to use. That one time when you guys like disagreed about who was gonna clean the flat, and you guys decided to hire cleaners. And then the cleaners didn't do the job right, so in the end they had to come to an agreement on cleaning it together. <laughs> it's funny because when you, what happened is we we basically were arguing so much about chores, <laughs> and it's normal when you move in with somebody for the first time. It, I, I mean. It should happen, right? You need to have... Because, you know, yeah. we've been raised completely differently um, and we do things completely differently. And obviously, I think the way I do things is right and the way that he does mm-hmm. things is wrong. So, which and isn't vice necessarily versa. true. It's an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> that mean as space is like... But, you know, we couldn't come to an agreement on how it should go so then we brought in a third party to deal with it and what's funny is that we've we've carried on doing that and we're so much happier because if our cleaner isn't doing the job we want we just bitch about her we're not bitching about each other are we so we're if anything we're more united yeah, <laughs> but we have a fantastic so like a, now. I just want to say I absolutely love couples. She's like such such a. <laughs> yeah, we've had some cleaners. So why to... That's that's actually that's actually brilliant. It's like me in the middle. You literally meet in the middle now. Yeah, You've got a third party. But but that was before Sebastian. <laughs> now I don't know what happens. We, you know, when you go through something like this, it is a massive emotional journey. Mm. 
you learn so much about yourself you unlearn so much about ourselves like when we think about a disability we we you know you automatically think oh people in wheelchairs i feel sorry for them and then we look at mobility aids as things which uh you know are sad things when in let's be totally honest like they are the most liberating things ever it enables somebody from to go from a to b and live their lives um and you know we've done so much unlearning because we all have internalized what what disabled people are trying to educate others on is you know we all have internalized ableism and mm. disability um, or the disabled minority group is the only minority group that you can join at any point in your life mm. um you know nobody can become like you know reborn as an as an ethnic minority but you can mm -hmm. you know i don't know fall down the stairs or have a spinal cord injury or you know have a stroke you know all of these things can happen to anyone mm. and you then have to battle all of these things which you know I mean, we all take our legs for granted if we have them. Mm. The reality is yeah. that you don't need them to have a fulfilling life or that you don't need working legs to have a fulfilling life. What you need is an inclusive mm. environment that enables everyone to participate, um, which means, you know, if a new building is being built, yeah, it should always have lift access. So, you know, these, these things are simple. Mm. They just need thinking. And because majority of people making these decisions are able-bodied people mm. and they don't consult disabled people which mm. is actually the easiest solution to most of these things speak to people with the lived experience um yeah like you know it just it is we're very much on the back foot like we need to do more mm. we just need to do more and 20 percent of our population is disabled and mm. quite honestly for them to get the job done they need the other 80% to advocate for them as well. And that's my job as Sebastian's yep. parent is to advocate for him to be included everywhere, everywhere. Um, I think as an ethnic minority, I think we can somehow relate to decisions for us or for our community being made by people who have not lived through our experiences, no. you know. And the word ableism yep. is what I learned from your stories as well. Um, if people don't know, Damisha store, um, puts a lot of stories out about, you know, ableism or whatever, you know, some things that are important to be shared comes up. And I always read her um, story and I, I didn't even know the word ableism existed. And I was like, hang on a sec, what's, hmm. what's, what's ableism? And I was looking into it and then like you were sharing how you were so... Um, I wouldn't say ignorant. I, I would say we are ignorant until we go through the whole situation, isn't it? Like we do say, oh, we yeah. well, like we want to be, we want to have disabled access. We want to have, you know, um, and make things disabled friendly everywhere. But how many of us really just look around and be vigilant about them and how they have to um, deal with things? Like just the other day, I was reading a news article. I think you put out the news for article about how a guy had to drag himself upstairs on a um, train platform um, because he needed mm. the roof. And then the train was delayed and was all that. And I was like, I yeah. felt really, I was like, I wouldn't imagine that to happen in this day and age when technology has no. advanced so much that you can actually provide for them. 
it does. You know, and I was yeah. like, yeah, it's just like you know that it's it's, it's not it shouldn't be an our request. It should just be, you know, by default. It, I, it's, it's, yeah, by default, just standard. It, it's the bare minimum. Yeah. The bare minimum is that everyone can use everything. You know, can you know in that story? The reason it's so heartbreaking is because the man in the wheelchair. Um, he was left out in the sun for ages as well and everybody refused to help him because in the name of health and safety and yeah if that man had ended up getting like heat exhaustion or a heat stroke Mm. or something really awful and then the ambulance would be called and you know where's the health and safety for this gentleman there Mm. Um, and in the end somebody did help him Um, he had to climb the stairs on his own and then somebody came and he was dragging the wheelchair and then somebody did come to help him it shouldn't take somebody to be showing you their struggle for you to feel you know like for you to help and the reality is nobody should have had to help him the lift should be working and that's Mm. the thing these things exist um for people so they can they can live Mm. like you know nobody Mm -hmm. chooses to not be able to take the stairs Mm. do you know what i mean and not all disabilities are visible Mm. so you know it's so yeah i wanted to point yeah out so one. it's really important that yeah we we recognize that you know there is so much more that can be done i think my mission um for more for for children because of my son but is to get an accessible playground like where we live there are about four playgrounds within a 10 minute walk mm. and not one of them is accessible and i'm not talking about just children in wheelchairs like i'm you know not i'm not just talking about children like sebastian mm. you know there are children who will will won't be able to go um down a slide independently or getting a swing independently yeah. but there will be children that you know sensory stations things mm. things which aren't like requiring a child to you know clamber or climb up something mm. to use it there are things that are you know out there and more needs to be done to educate our councils um scope charity are doing some really wonderful work in trying to empower like individuals to write to their mps about accessible parks i think they're trying to i think there is going to be a fund in 2023 where which will enable councils to build parks and things like that which are accessible which is uh, the i'm quite honestly like it's the start because I don't know how much these things cost and how much funding it will get. And also we don't know what's happening in our government. So whether that will be available or not. We have a government. So so I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing that's very important and very close to my heart. Um, you know, Sebastian's been born to a family that is going to, you know, anything he ever needs or wants, he's got parents that, and well, uh, um, an army of of friends and family that are w- able to um, to get him wherever he wants to go. The reality is that not everyone has the same, you know, and that's the hard thing. It, you know, I think having a child who is disabled or being a disabled individual really, um, we all talk about the you know how, how to say it, like the the rich poor divide in our country mm. but actually i think it's further exasperated if you are disabled especially 
if you're reliant and dependent on the benefits and the support system mm. that your local area has to offer. And, you know, yeah, mm. Sebastian, he, he, he lives in Hertfordshire. Um, he has a, I would say, a mediocre team of of, of health professionals in his local area, mm. which, to be honest, mediocre is actually so much better than what other people have in other parts of the country mm. um you know the fact that services are so different area to area is 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 actually quite depressing because it means that if we were living in a company you know there but just from he would have access to significantly less mm. um and you know, I am here right now. Um, uh, you know, doing this podcast, and as soon as I get off it, I'm going to be trying to rally support to get Sebastian his um, RSV immunisation <laughs> on the NHS, knowing full well that we'll have to pay for it two years in a row. Mm. It's is is, you know, going back to what you were saying about me being really calm now versus what I was before. I just think life is the the stresses are different. Mm. So I don't really have the, me and Cuba, I don't think we have the capacity to be stressed about the small stuff anymore yeah. because there is too many big things to worry yeah. about um, that, you know, and also like, it's so weird, like, because I wouldn't have described myself as like manipulative or conniving before Sebastian. <laughs> But to get what you want from services, mm-hmm. oh my god, you have to really, really think. You have to how. bend your finger the way the system bends. Um, that was that was like one of my questions that I wanted to ask you. Right, um, as nice as our NHS is, like I'm, like mostly thankful for NHS um, because not every economy in the world has free health service. But also, our NHS is not without flaws, you know. What's the most valuable thing and the most frustrating thing that you've had to go through when getting help for um, Seb? So, it's a bit... Okay, so it's a little bit of a hard one. So, like, obviously, Mm. the most valuable thing that we've got from the NHS um, and the thing that I, I, you know... There is no way I can quantify how grateful we are mm. to the NHS for this. Is Sebastian receiving a a drug which is two point one million pound dollars, sorry, or the NHS one point eight million million pounds? So yeah, he received what was at the time the most expensive drug in yeah. the world. Now I think it's the second most expensive drug in the world. That that is insane, mm. right? I've literally got a living million dollar baby, two million dollar baby. <laughs> Thankfully, it will hopefully end a little bit better than it did for Hillary Swank. But yeah, I've got my, I mean, Sebastian's there's amazing. Some, there's some and dry humor. It. It's, it's where they <laughs> She's been toying it since earlier. But um, there's that. But the thing that is most frustrating is. Um, we're surrounded by, and I'm I'm doing inverted, you know, the little quotation marks by professionals, quotations, um, who are very much influenced and 
a lot of the education about Sebastian's condition is pre-gene therapy. Mm. And the way the NHS works is by conducting, they do changes dependent on what they see. So, yeah, they do trials, they do this, they do a lot of, collect loads of data. But for things to change, I mean, just to put it into context, like, Okay, Zolgensima, the gene therapy, is a US-made drug and it has been around in the US for five years. Mm. It took That means it took the UK five years to decide to implement it. Timing for us worked well, but timing for a lot of other parents, you know, before Sebastian, it wasn't great, right? And then you've got um, a lot of frustration on our part because we're like well sebastian so like they assume that sebastian based on the natural history based on their experience with sma on the other drugs finraza that he probably won't do xyz but we know that you know what we see in the us and what i've been seeing in canada where children have received the drug before sebastian Mm. that literally the sky's the limit Mm. like Sebastian might walk one day. I don't care if he does. Like, it'll be great if he could navigate our home. I don't even think about him walking. I mean, to be honest, I'm not the most, like, I think Mina will tell you, I'm not the most athletic person. Like, I ain't running marathons. And to be honest, if I go walking, hiking, trekking, (laughs) I literally moan the whole way. So there's no way I expect Sebastian to... I can I can relate. I'm I'm not expecting Sebastian to have those interests <laughs> because why would I when I don't? <laughs> so I don't I just yeah. want him to be able to navigate his home. And he doesn't have to be able to stand or walk to do that because we will make you know, as parents, we're responsible for Sebastian, we will make sure our home is everyone's yeah. home. Is his home too. Um mm-hmm. so I don't I'm not worried about that. But you know, it's it's hard. It's hard because trying to convince people that I need something for him and then they say, but I don't witness this. And I'm just like, well, I'm. you see my child, what, like maybe once every mm-hmm. two months? And my child, Sebastian, mm-hmm. it took him, and I think Andrea, his physio, would agree. Um, how many sessions? I think it took... It took in the region of about three, four months mm. of sessions. And we, we started going twice a week, half an hour. We, we even cut the sessions down so Sebastian could warm up to his physio. He is like holding the record at Kids Physio London for being the most stubborn child because he literally cried for every session. Every session. I'm there as a parent thinking, why are you crying? Like she isn't doing anything. Mm. You're literally, she can't do anything because you're crying <laughs> and you know this woman has had the patience <laughs> to deal with my child and now sebastian gets on with her like a house on fire and they're like the best mm. friends and if she tells me he needs something she sees my child for two hours mm. a week and gets on with her and he's she they're absolutely amazing and then i've got this physio that other and the local physio the nhs physio telling me no 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 he's not ready I'm like, who are you? <laughs> who are you, stranger? Telling mm-hmm. me what my son needs when you don't see him. Yeah. You know, it, it's so frustrating mm-hmm. because 
I, you know, I'm not massively reliant on the NHS for a lot of things, like the RSV thing. Like, I am fighting for it. I know it's in vain for Sebastian. I have to reside myself that I will fail again. Uh, the RSV and I won't the, get it on the NHS because... Uh, COVID vaccination for... Res- respiratory... Yeah. Yeah, so so there's there's something called respiratory cyclical sick. I'm saying it wrong. Cyclical virus, which is something which all ninety percent of children before the age of two will mm. get, and in like normal children without a rare disease, without a, a rare disease that actually impacts on the lungs or respiratory, um, you know, parts of the body, that that they um, they will have like mild cold symptoms. Mm. And it's fine, right? They'll be able to yeah. go through it. But mm-hmm. quite a lot of children who are able-bodied do end up in hospital with it. Um, so Sebastian's condition means that he just generally has those weaker muscles around the chest and around, you know, ability to cough. Um, and, you know, it, I know that that RSV immunization is is developed by AstraZeneca, and the way that it works is um, it's not like a flu vaccine in the sense of you get it once and then you're covered for a certain period of time. You get RSV um, vaccinations for the months where RSV is prevalent. So it's not something I particularly enjoy doing, getting my son jabbed every mm. single month through the winter period. It's not something I want. And because of COVID and because of the shielding that's been going on, there's been a delay in respiratory viruses. So RSV is actually prevalent in July. So whereas before it starts in September, October time, it started in July. Mm. So the NHS have issued instructions to the trust. Uh, NHS England have told everyone to start administering RSV in July. And we don't get that letter because they think that my son is fine. Um, and I'm like, yeah, my son isn't on ventilation. He's not. So a lot of SMA children um, get a ventilation. It's called BiPAP. And it just essentially gives the lungs a rest and the machine does the work mm. for them. Um, mm-hmm. And he's not on that. But if Sebastian gets RSV mm. and his body doesn't cope with it, he will highly likely end up on ventilation in intensive mm. care. And the cost to the NHS mm. of of vaccinating my child is significantly less than if you add up the ambulance journey mm. to the hospital and the, the potentially, I don't know, maybe mm. a week, maybe two weeks there, all the consultant's time, the ventilation, the room, because he, he might be on a ward, but he might be on a room because of he's, he's immunocompromised. You know, there's loads of additional cost to this. Mm-hmm. And not only that, it's like, the cost to Sebastian like we do so much physio with him and he is gained so much strength and that's amazing Mm. but if he is in hospital for two three weeks with RSV battling it he's not moving Mm. and his body if his body isn't moving he is not gaining that muscle that he needs yeah. to gain to get stronger and you know I've heard through other SMA mums that their child got RSV, ended up in hospital for a week, and then they've tried to quantify the amount of skills lost, and then they equated it to maybe three, four months of skills lost. Mm. Imagine um, learning how to lift up a cup and then having to relearn Mm. that. Like, this is what we're talking about. Like, Mm. I'm not talking about skills, about him, I don't know, like, playing hopscotch. I'm literally talking 
about very simple skills like being able to open his thumb to grab things and me having to fight for this and i know i'm going to end up paying for it and it's not cheap it's like um we paid 1100 pounds for per for, for each month so that's three months we paid for last year because we were waiting for the nhs to say go ahead and now i'm we're having to cherry pick months so we're being yeah. very careful july and august and we'll probably pay for dosing through from September through to when the NHS stopped dosing, which I'm hoping is earlier than February, just so we can save some money. Mm. And and I know that not all families can afford mm. to do this. I'm I'm doing it because if Sebastian gets RSV okay. and there is something I could have done, I will mm. feel it. That's my guilt. And I yeah. I can't I don't want to live yeah. that I don't I I've lived through enough in my in my short thirty year, thirty one years I don't need to live through something which I'm <laughs> predicting to happen and and it and living it I don't want to do that especially when when it boils down to it when it if it ha- were to happen we'd just be like it was just money mm-hmm. yeah do you know what I mean because and, and it's stupid mm-hmm. right I'm going back to work yeah. in September so I can afford to pay for it. <laughs> but you know we have options not all families Mm. have options and i and i and and that's what Mm -hmm. winds me up the most is because i know sebastian will be sorted there's 65 children born with sma every year not all of 65 are going to be able to get that sorted Mm. um and um, it's like sometimes i feel like for the nhs and oh sorry there's lots of things that have annoyed me i haven't stopped like, I mean, the funny thing is, I'm grateful for Zoll Jones, but lasted what, like a minute? And now, <laughs> 15 minutes of me just moaning about the chest. Um, uh, but honestly, like, that that is so hard. Like, being a parent and saying, my child needs this, and, and spending a lot of your energy, expelling a lot of energy, explaining why to people who you feel should mm. know, you know? And what's really, really, I share. Sorry, go for it. I share the same sentiment as you, not in that extreme, but my dad recently had his laryngectomy surgery, so he's essentially a disabled now. He got the disabled key to access the toilets and whatnot. When he said about um, not all disability mm. are visible, he walks fine. He does everything that a person should, but obviously he can't speak, and then. He is a speaking person. Like he just talks always, talks back everything. So that to him was just, you know, like it was a massive downfall, really. So when you said about having to go through NHS people to explain what my dad's going through when yeah. he can't speak, and they're saying, oh, let me give you a call. Like, mm. do you not get the whole point? Like, he can't talk on the phone. So why are you calling my dad? It's just beyond me i share the same frustration i think what it lacks like as a general as 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 a service in general it fails to appreciate that regardless of what that individual has every single person needs to be treated with Mm -hmm. respect Mm -hmm. and dignity right if somebody like like in your father's situation um and yeah i don't expect every single person to know everything 100% about SMA or in your father's condition but just knowing okay this gentleman can't talk let's figure out a different way of communicating mm. because he wants exactly. to if he was a talker he he wants to speak for mm. himself mm. and 
exactly. But he can't. I mean, if it's the GP, I understand it. You probably wouldn't even know. It's just a general thing, right? But the ENT department is calling it. I'm just like, do you not understand? And they're supposed like, to be a specialist no in his It's hot. Ridiculous. It's just... Yeah. The spe- the, there are and, specialists and I have to say, like, I mean, we're, um, we're, I mean, we're with Great Ormond Street Hospital, which, you know, when me and Cuba when me and Cuba went through what we went through, we were happy to be placed with an institution mm-hmm. like that. Like they are amazing, but you know, and, and, mm-hmm. but begs the question, like every single person that is in Sebastian's team wanted him to have the RSV immunization. And there some of the people in Sebastian's clinical team are on a on a steering group called SMA Reach and there's it's an acronym for something but essentially mm. they're responsible mm. for um setting the standards of care for children like Sebastian with SMA especially you know following the treatment mm. and um they weren't able to source it for us they weren't able to convince local teams or NHS England last year to to give him RSV immunization or vaccine and I emailed them like this year and I was like what has changed mm. what have you done and it's just like you can be mm. a part of the best mm. of the best of the NHS and I don't what is the point because they clearly mm. have no power and I shouldn't need to exactly. utilize my energy and you know my voice my time that i could be spending on mm. sebastian um in and raising him and and being present with him in the moment on something which you know mm. if you're if if every single consultant in that hospital is saying this child should get it why is nobody mm-hmm. listening why is nobody able to mm. sort this for us why am i having to send emails to like the 20 people i've had to send emails to and all the charities to try and lobby and the drug companies everyone just to try and make a difference and the difference won't if if it does make a difference or even the tiniest dent it's not going to be for my mm. child it will be for other children which is great but when you venture onto something like this and you go through something like this, knowing you have failed before you started, that's, that's the draining bit. That's the, the hard. Before this whole thing cut off, right? We were, we were on about how mm. NHS is super slow at, you know, fixing problems, you know, and mm. not probably not in a timely manner. Um, but you know systems like that will always have issues Um, but what can we like as individuals um, do better to be honest to communicate or to you know to basically I wouldn't say accommodate but be better prepared for you know people with disabilities so so the problem what we've currently got is that you know um just from our experience that the nhs is really really reactive so essentially what what happens is you get sick you probably Mm. are sick for a very long time you're getting worse and then you have to navigate the system without realizing Mm. that you're in it for the long haul so then you go for your gp and 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 gps 
our gatekeepers to the next person, right? So sometimes if they block you there, um, you have to deteriorate further. Like the parents that I've spoken to, sometimes their GPs mm. have just sent them home with a child with SMA, um, which is delayed diagnosis. So, you know, then you're the they're the gatekeeper to you get into a pediatrician. Mm. They're not pediatricians, GPs. I mean, they're they're amazing people when it comes to daily care. Mm. Things like you know when you're at university, you know what are the things that they're going to see? The odd chest infection, the odd cold, maybe a bit of asthma, several STDs. Yeah, they're going <laughs> to be dealing with all of that, right? But beyond that, yeah. beyond that, do you know what I mean? Like you a need to see a, yeah. a professional, yeah. right? So. Yeah, a specialist. So, so they're the gatekeepers to the pediatricians in our case, and then you get to a pediatrician. But like a lot of what they see is what they see. So their experience is informed by that, and it just makes things very reactive. And essentially, you have to either be very, mm. very chronically ill mm. or dying, and then you get the treatment that you need. And um, I think we're really failing in our yeah. country with cancer treatment as well, early detection. I think there's been a rise in that. And and it's, you know, these things, you know, if you don't get diagnosed early, then, then and if the person who is actually poorly mm. isn't aware of what they should be looking for, then, you know, that it, it is, like I said, the system is reactive. What... Um, is currently under discussion is something called genome sequencing oh. where they do sort of like DNA testing on parents and mm. um, like mainly like adults really to understand the kind of, I don't know, illnesses, the different types of things that may mm. happen to the population mm. over years and then it enables the NHS to start budgeting and funding for things before they happen. And um, I don't know too much about it, but I'm going to be on a jury oh. panel for it. Like I'm going to be there discussing it. Yeah. It's relevant for us because had me and Cuba known we were carriers of the faulty gene, then, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love mm. Sebastian. I wouldn't change a thing. He is literally the best child in the world and he is better than mm. most children, if not all children. But um he you know had we known that um things would be different for us mm. not necessarily better yeah. just different um but knowing you know what what your population is predisposed to will mean okay like certain areas of the country will know that in their area cancer is going to be on the rise in the next five to ten years so then they know to budget for that they know to invest in that um, but obviously we're at early days. I mean, they're just yeah. discussing it. <laughs> Turning discussions into reality is, mm -hmm. is like next level. So um, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm quite excited to be a part of that because it's very relevant, but it's also, you know, knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. Like knowing, knowing stuff is power. And I feel that way very much with Sebastian. Like, um, you, you know we, we went and got him x-rayed privately and it turned out that his left hip has signs of early mm. hip dysplasia right and sometimes it's really exhausting going to doctor's appointments yeah. and always hearing bad news but I know with Sebastian now that I know it I can at mm. least try and do something about it um and that's how we should always feel nobody should feel like they need to bury their heads in the sand knowing what is happening to you to your body 
is important so you can do something about it before it becomes a big problem um it's weird because i was watching um i was watching my son's cartoon and we watched daniel tiger's neighborhood and daniel tiger goes to the Mm. doctor for a checkup who here goes to the gp for a checkup (laughs) like you literally Mm -hmm. wait until you're ill like and, and to be honest when I'm ill, yeah, I wait until yeah. I'm really ill. Like, I literally got, like, you know, I, I used to suffer with really bad asthma. I'd have to yeah, be, like, proper know. wheezing. And I had to have used every single single inhaler to before. And I can't even borrow my brother's. I'd be like, you know, just keep on pumping me full of stuff just so I can get through it. Um, and before I go to see somebody. And I think that's what we have to change, right? Because... You know, that's fine when you're a young and relatively fit, healthy person. But when you're older, Mm. if you've got that attitude, um, it's really, really difficult to to firstly change. But secondly, to get ahead of things before they become really serious. And um, I don't know in the UK whether we'll ever have that view of, okay, let me just go get my health checked. It's, 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 I mean, me and Cuba, because of Sebastian... We will be going. We 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 can uh, through our employers. We can we pay for it, but it's um, but but it's basically one of our benefits is being able mm. to have a three sixty health check. It's something I never really thought about, and I think it's something that as I, as you get into like your forties and fifties, it's something that I think more people should do. But we're going to start doing that because you know, looking after Sebastian and planning for the future means that we are very much dependent mm. on our health being good mm. um, and that's not just like like you know your internals running like making sure that you've got like your blood yeah. count and everything is fine and that you haven't got anything like really um, mysterious but also like back health and things like that carrying sebastian like i've literally for years tried to get yoga arms you know those yoga arms and it took me to have a child <laughs> to get yoga arms like I literally do no yoga at all anymore. And no yoga at all. He has time. But yeah, now I've got the arms I wanted after I had Sebastian. So my uh, slick arm, biceps, my heart. It's yeah. funny how um so you know, a lot a lot of things changes in your life when a child arrives. But when a child needs like that extra special need or extra attention or all these extra things like what's been like your biggest adjustment that you've had to do among many honestly like I wouldn't say we've had to do any Mm. uh, any adjustments like but you've got to remember Mm. Sebastian is my first child so I don't know being a mother having a child without is like which mm. do you know what is a blessing because quite honestly if I had an older child that I had to tend to as well as everything with Sebastian yeah. it would be really hard um and there are lots of parents in that situation um and if you haven't got like you know people talk about a village I've got lots of friends that have had children in the UK away from all of their family who live somewhere else mm. and they don't they they, they could mm. do with a village yeah. but they don't have one um yeah. and they survive and they do it. It's hard, but they do it. I, mm. I just don't know any different. I guess that's a blessing and in a way. That's yeah. that's amazing. It's absolutely, absolutely a blessing. Like, 
that the life I would have given a child without SMA, I don't know what it would look like, but I can't imagine mm. it being very different. I, I do think I spend so much more time with Sebastian. Um, and I appreciate everything that I think parents of children who don't have SMA or don't have to deal with like um, disability at all, they mm-hmm. will take so much more for granted. They take from all their movement mm. for granted. And also they're in a rush. Like, And I think if Sebastian didn't have SMA, I wouldn't be any different. So I'm not saying that to bad mouth parents. I'm saying it because I know I mm. would have been that way. Uh, I mean, Sebastian was born and I was already thinking, oh, this is a bit boring. I might go back to work. And then he got diagnosed and I was just like, you know, how, you know, made me realise that, you know, uh-huh. time mm. is precious, right? And they don't stay this small forever. And I should really appreciate it more because, you know, my child was dying. So, you know, he wouldn't have been there in two years if he didn't get treatment. So, I, you know, I probably would have given up my job and everything to look after him had if there wasn't these treatments available. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, you have, I think you have a deeper, I think I've got a deeper mm. connection with my son. Um, I think I'm you know Mina knows me I'm not the most patient person I was just gonna ask you I am what now. Sebastian taught you um patience <laughs> patience is a virtue I used to think it was absolute bullshit but patience is the only thing I'm I feel as a person like I'm, I'm I wouldn't say I'm like really big-headed but I think out of my whole personality the one thing I was lacking was patience and Sebastian has given me that although saying that I have Seba- I have not patience anyone else. Sebastian no one else <laughs> so I have a quota of patience and I say this to my husband quite a lot I said I have I have I have a lot of patience but like probably 90% of that is on Sebastian and then the 10% will be like dealing with other stuff like all of the politics and maybe like you know my parents are with me all the time they test my patients nothing left for anyone else so I say to Cuba all the time don't do this don't test my patients because we're coming to about six o'clock the reserves are going the reserves of patients are going so, so um yeah he's taught me patience um and I'm grateful for that because I don't I think I'm I think I spent the I don't know like 30 30 29 30 years of my life in a rush mm-hmm. and what for mm. what for what, what what in a rush to do what like to get the job I've got the job I've got my job now um and don't get me wrong I love the people I work mm. with but mm. a job's a job right um, I've got my, my my husband who I was actually thinking when it comes to love I think I was very patient because I I just thought I'd be on my own forever to be honest and I was happy with that I was happy with that concept of being on my own so I guess I was like it patient there um, just because it, I just thought it'd never happen but um, but then that did happen and then you know in a rush to get married then in a rush to buy property and then mm-hmm. but what's the point of rushing you know, like literally time is fleeting. You just If you spend all your time focusing on getting there, you miss out on mm. the journey. And then you just don't even remember how you got there. Sebastian, like when he took some assisted steps with Andrea, I remember that mm. day like yesterday. Like when he took those steps, when he um, rolled for the first time, it was in November last year. I remember it. Like... 
you know, these are now core memories for me because I know how hard he works. I know how much time and effort. When he began to open his thumb more, you know, these are so small. And these are things that you just would never think about if your child didn't have a disability or didn't have these challenges. And I I remember everything. And I wouldn't trade that because there is so much um, joy to be had in every tiny moment. And when we think about raising children, we always think of the the first time they'll do something or the first time they'll like go start solids, the first time they'll walk, the first time, you know, they do this, that, and then we're always in a rush for the first time. But we never think about like the last time, like the last time they'll mm-hmm. need a cuddle or be breastfed or the last time they'll need you to comfort them to sleep or, you know, comfort you for cuddles or we never think about that. And um, and I think I've got an appreciation mm-hmm. for all of it, just all of it. Uh, I wouldn't trade that. I wouldn't tra- trade that. I, w- I wouldn't have chosen to have a child with SMA, but I wouldn't change it. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm happier than being the person I am mm. now, honestly. Like, I'm happy. We've got an amazing family. I've got an amazing mm. child. All other children, like, I find that children without SMA <laughs> are stupid now. <laughs> They've just got the easy way out. I'm not. I'm not joking because, yeah. Do you know, do you know what it is? It's like if you. I mean, I love. All, I. I. I've never been interested in other people's children. I wait until they're old enough to communicate to me, and then I'm interested. And and there are people like that, and I'm happy to admit it. I've never been, but unless I'm connected to that child, and even then, it was hard. Like I've never really been interested in I anyone think else's children. Most women, I'm like, but we just don't say it. It's yeah the fear of judgment yeah and they don't yeah. say it I don't mind saying it like like you know um I just want to say because I think Manikin <laughs> might listen to you I do love Yvonne I do actually he's the exception there are a few exceptions <laughs> uh, just to caveat myself there. um but um yeah like I've never been especially before Sebastian I just thought children were a bit boring and um, now that I've had Sebastian and then when he's around other children who are haven't got SMA and they spend all of their time focused on the motor skills so if you can imagine their brain is developing that side Sebastian hasn't been able to do that because he's not been able to to move so he spent a lot of his time focusing on the social side which makes him an, a fantastic pet baby to be around because he's so socially developed um that he was able to kind of communicate with you before yeah. children his peers because mm-hmm. he, he had to actually had no i have choice. noticed that because, because like when i spent those couple of days mm. with seb i have not seen a more cheerful baby than him like honestly no. yeah and he communicates like even then like, he was eye contacts then, like, to smiles so, to everything like mm. he will just take to you as if you're 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 you've met him forever mm-hmm. you know and as if he knows you yeah if, if, and 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 that's like it's a very grown yeah. up and, thing and also do. he doesn't know strangers. You know what i mean <laughs> No, he doesn't know Stranger Danger. That's a problem. We'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge, I think. But, um, like, in in itself, like, having a child with SMA, because of that, they just bring you so much more joy. They just... Because you're not spending all of your time wondering if they're going to get hurt. I mean, sometimes... I guess some parents in similar shoes would say, oh, I wish I had that. But actually, like, 
I have an appreciation for how mm-hmm. Sebastian has adapted yeah. to survive because yeah. that's what he's done. And he's developed so much more socially and he's so interactive. And like even before he could point because yeah. of his weakness, he would pick things with his eyes. I was able to tell what he wanted because mm-hmm. he communicated mm-hmm. with me with his mm-hmm. eyes. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. Like, it's incredible because he, he's, a, he's adapted. He's yeah. adapted and he knows no different either. The same way I know no different being a mother of a child with SMA, Sebastian knows nothing yeah. other than mm. what he is in his body. And um, there's th- that's amazing because he's not boring to me. He's not boring. Mm-hmm. He's he's actually so much fun. And like, you know, after he warms up, like, he's a bit more shy meaner now than he saw you. So he gets like shy and yeah. then, then he'll perform. <laughs> and I don't know how or why, He'll be talking to you. He'll be, like, trying to chat to you. He'll, like, if I'm talking in a group of people, mm-hmm. he'll try and speak over me. God. You know, if he sees, like, he, he knows animals. He Are knows you raising a diva, Damisha? I, I think she's raising a mini diva. Like, literally. <laughs> yeah. He's just acing it already. Is that, is that really so wrong? Acing it already. <laughs> he's, like, he's, he's, like, he's a little... Yeah, I love it. You know what? Like, I, what I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. have anything What you else. said about it's the amazing. playground and interacting with other kids, I think Marisha wanted to ask a question about, you know, you, you earlier you said the question about what you could teach your children. Because yeah. so, um, obviously I have little nephews and stuff, and I don't think they've ever met anyone with SMA. And I, I wouldn't know, like, how they would mm. react if they had ever saw anyone with SMA. Because to them, everyone plays, everyone, you know, like... It's just playing cards and stuff like that. So how can I teach my nephews or my future unborn children to, like, engage socially? To be friends with. Yeah, because yeah. mm. it's just... I think it's in, in, encouraging conversation children. I think for years, especially our generation, like, our parents would have been like, if you asked why an adult was in a wheelchair or, like, oh, mum that person's not working mm-hmm. they'd say shh, mm. shh, shh, don't talk about it like as in as if it's something like a to be ashamed subject, of yeah. um it's a taboo thing and it's not like I think it's important mm. to have conversations and and to say like you know um you know that person needs a wheelchair to get from mm. A to B the same way we need to get from A to B and encourage conversation so things like disability can become destigmatized because like exactly. I said anyone can join that minority group imagine tomorrow if you were to be disabled how would your community like, respond to you would they feel mm. sorry for you would they would they or would they you know you don't need people's mm-hmm. pity pity mm. doesn't give you anything I don't want Sebastian to be pitied. Mm-hmm. I, mm. I don't pity him. You know, he's, he's definitely yeah. smarter than me. <laughs> and he's definitely going to achieve so much more than me. So why would I pity him? You know, um, and as a family, don't, 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 don't look at pe- parents of children with disabilities with pity mm. either. That's really hard. I, mean, I felt mm. that recently on one of my trips. Like I felt like people were like, mm, are you okay? I'm like, yeah. of course I'm yeah. okay. Mm. My son's alive. Why, why would I hope you okay? Um, so, yeah, that's really frustrating. Um, so I'd say be careful of that. And, um, yeah, buy loads of books on 
get read read books mm. and watch like I mean I mentioned Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood that has a character called Chrissy who has crutches and they oh. talk about how they're the same but different oh. like you know they, these things yeah. exist and they exist for this reason to to create like this generation of children um so they are more sensitive so they know what um, how to be more inclusive, how to make sure that everyone can participate, because that's what we haven't. I mean, if you if twenty percent of the population is disabled, exactly. you should oh, yeah. see disabled people mm. out on the street. And if yeah. you're not, you need to mm. you need to ask why, 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 why aren't they doing mm. what I'm doing? And I think like majority of those situations, it will be because mm-hmm. it's mm. inaccessible. Um, they're not included. Sometimes uh, when people become like you know the queen right our queen is disabled right she needs to use a wheelchair or mobility aid and she's actually like I don't know if this is true but I think it, I read it somewhere I think it was through some of the disabled influencers on Instagram I followed she was refusing to actually do events because she didn't oh, wow. want to be seen in a wheelchair can you imagine that that's how much internalized oh, ableism the queen has that she's ashamed to be seen because she perceives using a mobility aid like a wheelchair as a, as as weak because I know that that's like you know I feel like the crown mm-hmm. is basically a documentary so probably not the best person <laughs> to speak to but you know coming from a position mm-hmm. of strength you know being like you know the queen of the country you know oh Elton John Elton John having being ill or something and needing a rest in between um in between his like touring dates and he was in a wheelchair. And then the sun or the mirror, one of the rags, basically said he was looking really, really ill and he was really old. And da, da, da. I'm just like, no, dude, using a wheelchair exactly. because he needs to, to use a I, wheelchair. Honestly, like, like you know, I don't understand. Yeah, give I it don't a rest. understand. I feel like people embracing their vulnerabilities and showing it with pride is probably one of the bravest things that you can ever mm-hmm. do, you know? And I don't consider that as mm. a sign of weakness i actually consider it a sign of strength like the strength that you built you know yeah no, knowing your limitations and knowing what you need but, but knowing what you need to do to to do what you want to do if you can continue doing what you want to do yeah, it, yeah it's just life right yeah. just get on with it um, you know, like I was saying, um, years a while ago, years ago, when Sebastian was diagnosed and we just got back from Evelina and he'd had his gene therapy, my mental health like plummeted. Like, I I was I was so so miserable, um, and I just couldn't shake it. And I was I'm in an iron about starting on antidepressants. I was I was thinking about it for a really long time, um, uh, going through that process, and then I just bit the bullet and did it. And I'm not comparing mental health to disability, but what I'm saying is acknowledging that there is something mm. there that and and doing something Being about it if you can it, yeah. is is literally the most most mm. empowering thing. I've been on them now since like it would be uh, when was Sebastian dosed? Um, mm-hmm. Probably July last year. Yeah, and um, it's the best decision I've ever made because I can parent. I don't feel like I want yeah. to kill myself, which is great. Um, and I feel like, you know, um, I don't want to run away. I want to, I'm able to deal with really challenging stuff. Like having a child with SMA, none of my problems are with mm. Sebastian. Nothing has, nothing has any, none, any problem I have has nothing to do with Sebastian's SMA. Nothing. 
everything is about the systems mm. that support us and that's the hard bit and if this is what I need to do to get through yeah. that I'll do it <laughs> like because I want to enjoy my son I want to enjoy my life I want to enjoy my family and I was speaking to somebody we have a hospice that used to help us and I was speaking to somebody once a week and then once a fortnight and now I don't need to to speak to him mm. as often at all I, I did something and it's so mm. empowering and I don't I think I personally like when I look back and all the generational stuff that's happened in my life and in my family I think more people need to be on them in my family <laughs> just like yeah, you know I, I, mean? think I think that's every child of immigrant well, our last podcast was, was about the guilt of an immigrant child you know and it was yeah. all oh, about, I, I yeah. saw yeah. and it was yeah. all about Honestly. us trying to break this generational cycle and yeah. this curse and you know and I think our generation is definitely heading the right way by um, you know taking care of self-care um, and like mm. not ignoring our mental health like you know making it a yeah. priority yeah. and I think yeah yeah it's important because I'm not going to go by every day like I, a lot of my life I've been able to I've been fortunate enough to be able to like choose the person I'm I'm marrying and um I'm able to you know I moved in with Kiwi mm. before I was married and you know I know that that's not really that common in yeah, a lot of our culture. like you know <laughs> culture anyway um and I'm just like okay fine like I've managed to do quite a lot of stuff that I prioritize my happiness um and you know what's the point of our parents making all of those sacrifices mm. if I have to relive their, their, their exactly. life? yeah and I'm and, you know Sebastian is a really big reminder for me like you we none of us have chosen mm. to be born none of us you know, we never, we don't get to choose our parents. I mean, Sebastian is probably going to feel that way when he's older a little bit. When, you know, if he's going to be like, oh God, how comes you two get to be my parents? I didn't ask for this. You know, how comes both of you are carriers of the faulty gene? You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't blame him. Like, you know, um, none of us have chosen, chosen the lives that we had when we were children. You know, at the end of the day, you grow up and you just have to make the most of everything and because you're yeah. here yeah. um and for me to make the most of it yeah i need to take a i need to take some sertraline and it's the best thing yeah. i've ever done best thing i've ever I done call, whenever i have yeah. those moments and i try to pick myself up i just call it putting the big girl pants on <laughs> yeah I'm just like I gotta put, the, put my big girl pants on like I do go like you know have a breakdown for a couple of days and then I'm like yeah enough now like time to put your big girl pants on and just mm -hmm. get on with it like yeah. you know it's like we go through the whole cycle again and again and I think we do get better yeah. at dealing with it after a little while we're like yeah. You learn. You learn in every yeah. single crisis. You learn in every it's breakdown. Yeah. At the end I of think the day, that's so true. Mental yeah. or physical, emotionally, you're just mm. literally surviving every mm. day. Mm. No. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just have to. So, yeah. Either you enjoy the journey or you yeah, don't. Right. Yeah. No, there's, that's not no. much choice. No one yeah. Anyway. Oh my god. I think we've spoken for like an hour and a half now. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> we could keep going all day. I think I might have a child to look after. Do you, are you uh, sure you don't have to advocate for SMA today? <laughs> or you've done enough? <laughs> no. 
but thank you. Um, no, no, I don't. <laughs> oh my god! I think today, today my mission is um, getting that wheelchair sorted. I'm so happy that guy rang me. Um, uh, it's going to save me so much money not having to travel abroad to get him a wheelchair. Um, and then I've just got, whilst I was talking to you guys, I've got like three messages from about the RSV campaign that I seem to have launched. Are we, are we lucky um, here? Are so we yeah. Uh, are we in lucky yeah. travel? <laughs> <laughs> <I'm joking. Yeah. laughs> oh my God. Anyway, um, I wouldn't change we'll, it. we'll contact you about a few links that you we could probably yeah. share with our viewers and our listeners about how to get more info about and how to probably support you in your campaign as well oh we can't oh, wait to we'll see Sam wheezing we'll through do. the wheelchair oh god i can't wait oh, yeah. what's going for you're gonna get absolutely demolished yeah well, never mind who, who cares who cares you need a bumper but, tire like the go-kart on the sides yeah it's gonna be um, i i mean um if you go on my instagram you can see him on his scooter bloody hell him on his oh, scooter yeah. Yeah. i like I am amazed that he can literally sit by himself now. Yeah, when you saw him, I'm he like, was quite a little bit floppy, you know. Now, yeah, he's on his scooter. Yeah. But we bought him. A, we got him a scooting ride actually when we were in Poland last, and he's using it like a pro. Like oh. in three weeks, something's changed. Something's clicked. But yeah, amazing, amazing. <laughs> but, All right. Anyway, we'll yeah, let you get, I'll get on to you with guys the soon, tale. Right? Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye.